A wanted criminal with a high price on his head and a bounty hunter reunite and reignite a passionate romance, all while robbing banks and fleeing from a malicious sheriff. Starring Max Julian and Vanetta McGee, Thomasine and Bushrod is a 1974 Western directed by Gordon Parks Jr. that lives in the Western genre with elements of exploitation. Welcome to our sixth episode of the Double A Matinee. I'm Melissa. And I'm Amanda. So I found out about this movie on a, uh, it was a collection of black westerns that's on the Criterion channel currently. I have, this is the only one that I've seen from that collection, but I can't wait to watch more of them. There's a great introductory segment with um, the film scholar Mia Mask. Mia Mask has written several books on uh, black American cinema. Um, specializing in like black women in American film, um, gender and sexuality. So listening to her, and it's like a short segment, it's like a 15 minute like introduction to the films that are in the collection. Um, but it's a really interesting academic route to get you started if you've never seen any of them, which I have not, so. Yeah, and people don't think of like black westerns Right. Thing. When, when thinking about Western movies in particular, you don't kind of think of them, because probably because they're few and far between. Yes, they are. Yeah. There are a few that are like, from what I gathered from her uh, introduction, there are a few that are really like iconic in getting Black characters to the forefront in specifically the Western genre, which we'll talk more about later. Um, but also that genre is hugely whitewashed. And she talks about that too. There's like, in like popular canon Westerns, there's a complete absence of African-Americans and also with the misrepresentation of Native Americans, which is like so it's outrageously common. Yeah, it's such a, it's a massive problem with the genre, which I think just now is like starting to get recognized. Mm -hmm. And it's so great that this is directed by a black director. Cause if, if it was a white director, I think it'd be totally, I don't know if it'd be totally different, but certain scenes wouldn't be handled with as much depth maybe. Yeah. It, it's important for the story. Agreed. Yeah, this was made by Gordon Parks Jr., um, the son of Gordon Parks. They were both film directors and both started out as photographers too, which is pretty cool. Gordon Parks started out with uh, directing Shaft in 1971, which was a huge black exploitation hit. And uh, his son followed after um, its success. Gordon Parks Jr. Uh, was responsible for directing Superfly, which came out the year after Shaft in 1972. Mm. Yeah, so Gordon Parks Jr. actually only made four films before he died in a plane crash in Kenya while he was oh, working damn. on another film, which is, he was only 44, I think. He's really young. Wow. Um, and Thomasine and Bushrod was the third film in his filmography. 
because he was a photographer i don't know if he did like some of those um they're really great like photography shots and montages in this yeah i'm not sure if he he would have if he was a photographer maybe yeah i'm not sure if he did those specifically but i do love those montages Mm -hmm. they're very 70s and aesthetic yeah it reminded me a lot of, I just have seen Butch Cassidy in The Sundance Kid. Yeah. And they do a couple of those, they seem out of place, but I kind of liked them. Like this weird music, but showing like photos of them to kind of like catch you up with the story. And I think it works great with this too. Yeah, it's like a way to pass time without really... Getting too into it, maybe. Yeah. Also, like, photographs can show your most intimate moments, so it, it kind of just, like, links you to the characters more, I feel like. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So let's talk about Westerns. Some takeaways from that introductory Western uh, segment on the Criterion channel. Westerns are hugely American. They're so violent, and they're so gritty. And so is America. So is colonization. All of it. Our story is violent. And you still see that today. That's why we're prudes, but we don't give a shit about violence. There's a lot of smacking women in the face. Yeah. (laughs) That was the big thing. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Now let's talk about black exploitation. I am in no way going to claim in any capacity. I'm not an expert on anything, but especially not black exploitation. But I do know that a lot of the supposed controversy around it, like uh, controversy from the NAACP specifically, like in the 70s, they were often criticized for their ability to show stereotypes in the extreme. So they were like really heavy handed, really violent, Um, but they also featured a lot of Black actors in lead roles, taking control and, like, having power, and it was, like, the only genre where that was possible. So, Mm -hmm. it's like a double-edged sword. If you go into it knowing that what you're seeing is an extreme exaggeration, then, you know, I think now we would probably have a better handle on that. Yeah, people just didn't want to see Black people succeed or become, like, financially and politically powerful in the movie industry, like, giving them more of a voice. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess, would Shaft be considered Black exploitation? Yeah. Okay. And that, that is, I haven't seen the original Shaft. I've seen the Samuel Jackson one, Mm -hmm. and they did, like, the reboot. But, I mean, that still has such a wave that, that it has lasted so much in our cu- culture. The film opens up with Thomasine, our heroine, shooting down a wanted criminal. You immediately know that she's independent and in control just by that scene, like within the first two minutes. She can survive on her own. She knows what she's doing. It's after she uh, turns in the criminal for her bounty that she finds out that her old lover, Bushrod, is still alive and he's on the run. So she starts collecting 
his wanted posters to protect him and seeks him out. And I love their introduction when um, he, the, the boy warns him that his wife is upstairs in the room and then they both meet each other with the guns. Yeah. They're very on edge that they have to like protect themselves. But then when they see each other, it's like, oh, love of my life. <laughs> I really love their chemistry. Yeah. They were actually a real couple at the time. Totally makes sense. Yeah. And um, Max Julian, who plays Bushrod, actually wrote this. And hmm. um, he wrote that, uh, the part of Thomasine specifically for Vanetta McGee. Hmm. I just, I don't know. I love them together. I think they're so charming and Bushrod is a sweetheart. He like, is. they say that he's, like, a badass who, like, like, he can't be killed and everything. That's, like, his mythos. But he's a yeah. I kind of wondered, like, what, maybe it was just because he was black they deemed him to be this, but, like, he's taking care of the horse in the beginning. There's That's such a great scene. He's, like, that's how you break a horse, and he knocks, the, punches the guy and knocks him off the fence. yeah. But, and I believe that they have this backstory. Like, they were able to achieve, like, you can believe these people had a past. Yeah, absolutely. Because they were together, they, because the chemistry. Sometimes it's just not believable, but with them, you could see that they've been through some stuff. Yeah. I also love the scene that's, it's like one shot, and it's all in slow motion, and they're just, they're like, jumping around in a lake together and like hitting mm -hmm. each other with their clothes and it plays to the um theme music which was actually done by arthur lee and love and i, I just love that <laughs> yeah i just freaking love it it's like so romantic and sweet and also one of those things that really solidifies their their relationship it's kind of just like a brief fairy tale moment yeah. Before things get even grittier and harder. Right. I like how this movie is often compared to Bonnie and Clyde, and it definitely does. Like, they, they rob banks. It's really violent. The ending is fairly similar. Um, but this is, like, definitely, it's slower, and it, like, takes its time, which I really like. The scenery is beautiful. Yeah, you get to live with them more. I haven't seen Bonnie and Clyde. I was wondering, like, because, yeah, just looking up the film, they said this is kind of like the Black version or a somewhat version of Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. So I don't know how, like, their relationship stacks up. But I think it's a worthy story, regardless of, like, comparing it to Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. What's really cool about this, like, specialized genre is that, like, it rewrites the film history. So you have like the film history depicted in Westerns as like white dudes doing a bunch of shit on horseback in the West. And then there's some really, really stereotypical uh, Native Americans there. But that's just not how it was. Like there were definitely 
so here, example. The term cowboy was actually used to refer specifically to a black ranch hand. And a cow hand was used to refer to a white ranch hand. But cowboy became cool as it started to become attached to heroic characters. You know, like take for example your um, John Wayne or Gary Cooper. So you just, you have this like, it's kind of like a revisionist look at the genre of Westerns, but it's making it more historically accurate. Mm -hmm. Instead of what Hollywood wanted people to perceive. Right. And project, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep rattling on about this history of <laughs> Westerns introduction, introduction thing because it's so informative. It's I important. It. Yeah. And I can't I wait to dig into that collection because it seems like there's some really cool stuff in there. Yeah, I didn't know that about the cowboy thing. So yeah. that just brings on a whole different mess of things. Yeah. There's so much history to uh, dig through. I, I just wanted to maybe say that I loved the way, was it their, the first bank they robbed? Oh, they kind of like led the guy into it, and into the bank, because they were by his car, and he's like, want to go for a ride? And then the wife was like, no leave them alone. <laughs> yeah. And it's the it's when they first do that like make that decision and then their whole thing from there on out is targeting like the people that are oppressing them. All of these white men, these white people. And it's great cuz they perceive I don't know who says it at one point but like you wouldn't s suspect black people to be in charge, like taking charge of their lives and doing violent crimes. I think that was the um the photographer in the previous scene. She says like you wouldn't expect black people to be robbing banks. Like yeah. they don't do that. Which but makes yeah, it you're right. It's like their their way of like taking charge. And it's great like one of the scenes they're in she's in that big dress or with the hat and he's in the suit. So they kind of take on the persona of like these uptight white people. Yeah. But yeah, flipping it on said. I also love those outfits because they're so 70s and don't fit <laughs> in with anything else. Like it's supposed to be set in 1911, but they're yep. so like vibrant and like. I like, didn't think of that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like electric purple or blue or something. Yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. And maybe that's what, like, so many period pieces get caught up in, is, like, being so specific. Mm -hmm. It's kind of nice to mix different things with a certain period. Right. Yeah, that's and no matter, no matter how hard you try, like, there's always going to be something that pins it to the time that it was made in. Yeah. Cinematography, editing, styles, anything. Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah, I remember it was like they had to edit it out. There was like a Starbucks cup in one of the shots. Oh my and God. then they went back and edited it out. So, yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. Like so, like a mic is in something. So, you know. Yeah, it does. You can't escape it. 
I also really love the scene at the beginning. It's right after the um, the horse breaking scene where Bushrod meets um, Nathaniel, who's like an older black man. And he's like thrilled to meet Bushrod. Like mm-hmm. he's like a Bushrod groupie. <laughs> like, is, is he the one that says like, I've heard about you? Yeah. Or something, yeah. And they're just like really pleasant to each other and like develop this sense of camaraderie very quickly. Like you like feel the the genuine appreciation between them very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, it also like humanizes Bushrod right from the start, which is something that you wouldn't see in like a, a Hollywood film. Because if he were a black character in like a, you know, whitewashed Western, he would probably very quickly be discredited and typecast as like a violent person. And you don't get that at all from this. Do you have a favorite quote? I kind of like the one, I don't think I have it exactly correct, but where he was, I guess, because cars were first being introduced and he was like, sometimes I feel sorry for horses. Must make them sick to see one of these things carry four or five people. Yeah. Yeah, you wonder how the horses would feel. I don't think they'd be sick. I think they'd be glad get, like, people off their backs, but, you know. Definitely off their backs. Yeah, or maybe they'd be like, I'm going obsolete. Who knows? <laughs> the existential crisis of a horse. Yeah. Uh, I really like the scene where Thomasine is held captive in the church when she, like, goes off on her own. And Bushrod dresses as a nun, and you can't tell that it's him. And they both emerge, like, in the nun costumes. And then the song that's, uh, the song that's playing, the lyrics are, like, Jesus saves. It's just, like, a little bit of, like, like, I'm not sure if it's intentional humor, but it's just funny. Like, they, like, they kill the- The way they shot that was great. Yeah. They, like, kill the, the people who take her captive. Yeah. And then have this, like, Jesus saves song <laughs> in the background. I just love that. Actually, specifically, the photograph scene. You know, I guess it's kind of, like, foreshadowing with the, the first scene with Thomasine, like, killing her bounty, I guess. And she's the one who seeks out Bushrod. And then later on, she starts to call the shots. And when, in the scene where they go to get their photograph taken, in case they get famous, they say, um, Thomasine wants to be on the left so that her name gets printed first. And I was reading uh, an article about this. And it said, if you were to go into this totally blind, you would just assume from the title that, like, Thomasine was the man and Bushrod was the woman. I was thinking that, yeah, at one point. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great they did that. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't get the importance of, like, why she wanted to be on the left at first. I kind of missed that, so I'm glad you put that in context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like she's always thinking one step ahead. And Bushrod, there's, like, a scene where uh, they kill the one banker, or she kills the banker, I think, and, like, loses it. 
and he they have this like argument about her like bossing him around and everything so he does start to like question her motives like why do you really want to be with me are you just in this for like fame is that the banker that was strangling her yeah i think so okay i was kind of mad he didn't get more mad like he was strangling her that's why she killed him yeah right (laughs) It, like at, at times, I guess they kind of justify violence for different areas. Like it seems like what they deem to be worthy of violent aggression differs. Because mm-hmm. towards the end, she's ready to like give it up because she's with child and everything. Mm-hmm. But he wants to keep going, or it, it seems like at times she wants it more. At least that's why I kind of got. Yeah. Like, their needs differ and, like, outweigh each other at different times. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I also feel like that's kind of why they balance each other out. Yeah. And when they do reveal that Thomasine is pregnant, then I guess, like, instinctually, if anyone found out that they were pregnant and you were, like, leading a life of crime, you'd probably be (laughs) like, I should stop doing this. Yes. Just shutter myself inside. Yeah. You know, at that point. 2020 vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to rate this out of photographs. So I'm going to give it out of 10 photographs. I'm going to give it a an eight. I'll give it seven and a half photographs. Nice. Excellent. We're on the same page. Yeah. I really like this movie because, like, I grew up with westerns. You know, I grew up with white westerns, so after a while it gets, there's like a certain nostalgia to it, but I don't want to see John Wayne save the day anymore. Like, I've seen that a hundred times already. Yeah. And I also don't want to see any more women get raped. Like, I'm, I'm just like, like in general in any movie, that's, I'm good. I don't need any more of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Been there, this done is, that. Yeah. It's just so different for me. It's something new. Paying homage to the genre, but like doing something refreshing yeah. and different. So recommendations based on this movie. Um, one that I have not seen yet. So I don't know if it's legal for me to give this as a recommendation, <laughs> but I'm going to anyways. Um, Buck and the Preacher, which stars uh, Sidney Poitier. And it's also his directorial debut. Mia Mask highly emphasized like how instrumental of a film it was in having black characters in the forefront of the genre. And it's something that's on that Criterion collection. So I I really want to check this one out. It looks awesome. And it looks like it it follows the genre closely and doesn't like depart from that formula too much. So it's definitely like a classic Western story-wise. And then um, my next recommendation is coffee. This is definitely like more typical black exploitation fare. It is really violent and highly stylized. Um, it stars Pam Greer, and she plays a nurse by day and a killer disguised as prostitute by night as she uh, seeks revenge against the drug dealers that got her sister hooked on heroin. It's a super cool movie, and Pam Greer is awesome. Love her. Yep. Um, I guess based on this movie, I would recommend 
Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid again. Um, I can't believe I'd never seen it until like a month ago. But speaking of chemistry with this movie, their chemistry is so great in that and kind of developed the archetype for buddy comedies. Like everybody comedy is like this movie since it's come out. And they do the kind of like montages with it. So I think it's a great Western staple. And then in terms of black exploitation movies, the most modern version like I could find was Dolomite is My Name with Eddie Murphy. Came out end of 2019, I guess now, but he plays Rudy Ray Moore, who was kind of like a black exploitation icon. And it follows him making the movie Dolomite. So like developing his character and seeing how like he creates this genre of movies and the audience that comes from that. Great movie. Cool. Yeah, I still have to see that. Recent watches. I don't have anything listed for my recent watches because every movie I've tried to watch this past week, I've fallen asleep during. So I failed. One of those weeks. I yeah. I'll just like rapid fire some ones off. Go for it. Um some new releases I finally caught up on, like in prep for the Golden Globes, was Promising Young Woman. I, it's a movie that's probably not for everyone. A lot of people might not like the way the subject matter is handled, but I think if you're, you get into it and you see Carrie Mulligan's character as a kind of unlikable protagonist, but you can see her, like we have so many male characters like this, we just need like a female character. Like not everyone has to be likable or you don't have to agree with everything they do, but it's interesting. Yes, <laughs> Alyssa's nodding her head, almost headbanger style. Yeah. That. Uh, and then Sound of Metal, I finally watched. And I watched that with like the surround sound on and you can hear all like the, the vibration and everything. It's amazing. You saw that one. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, and I loved Riz Ahmed in that, and just, yeah, the way they handle hearing loss and, like, what that means and how you value yourself, things like that. And then I finally watched Being John Malkovich, which I'd never seen. Yeah. In, yeah. And I love John Malkovich as a person, so it was interesting to see him take on this, like, other life. It's just a movie, I wonder if we could do that with, like, any other actor. Like, would it work if it was anybody else? Yeah. Because he's, like, this fine line between, like, being Hollywood celebrity, but being, like, kind of cool and interesting and weird at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone's been saying it, but WandaVision. I binge-watched it this week, and I miss Marvel movies. I know Alyssa doesn't care, but final episode got me really emotional, shedding a tear. It was like <laughs> the cinema experience. Yeah. That's it for me. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I have to do better for next week. No, don't shame yourself. You were living your life. In a clockwork orange style. <laughs> So what's next week's pick? <laughs> okay. Oh, I kind of tortured Alyssa last week with the Chris Pine thing. 
which I didn't realize. So I think I'm going to turn up the dial. Oh, God, is it Kevin fucking Costner? (laughs) Yeah, it's the cost. Jesus. Kevin Costner. For those who don't know, Alyssa has this hatred for Kevin that started with the bodyguard. It's been this ongoing thing. We can't get past it. You know, it's a roadblock <laughs> in our friendship. And I have to, have to become the ultimate Kevin Costner defender because of this. It's, it's a role I didn't ask for, but I'm happy to take on, you know. I'll do my part. You're a, a true martyr. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to recommend Bull Durham. I think I mentioned this movie to you before. Is this a baseball movie? It is a baseball movie. God damn it. I love baseball movies, even though I, like, don't understand. I, I could not watch baseball, but I, will lo- I love baseball movies. <laughs> and this was the first part in a trilogy of Kevin Costner baseball movies he made over, like, ten years. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susan Sarandon is in it, so I'm looking forward yes. to that, but. She's amazing in it. And it's available on Prime and Tubi. And it has been for a while. I haven't seen it for free anywhere. So I was like, this is the time. Okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) It'll make for a great conversation, if anything else, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) All right. Go watch... Thomasine and Bushrod on, I think you can watch it on both Pluto and the Criterion channel. If you have the Criterion channel, watch the introduction to Black Westerns. And if you don't, sign up for a free trial and watch it. It's awesome. They should be paying you for this. (laughs) Sponsorship. I am like a Criterion whore. All right. See you next week then. Catch you on the flippity flip. When Thomasine and Bushrod were riding on the plane.